Anyways, you ready? Yeah. You piece of shit. Two friends in a movie. 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 With Madison Sixto. With Sixto and Matt. With Madison Sixto. With Sixto and Matt. With Madison Sixto. Madison Sixto. Madison Sixto. Another edition of Two Friends and a Movie with Matt and his buddy Six. And that's not how it goes. Toe. That's not how it goes. That's how it went. No. It just happened. But that's not how it goes. That just happened. Just hype, everybody. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Hey, we got a new listener. My cousin Amber. Amber. She better be listening. What up? <laughs> Special shout out to you. Special shout out to Alex, Eliana's daughter, who yeah. said she, we can say her name. Alex, what up? Whoop, 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 whoop. Too that's, many Alexes. That's right. So if you listen to the podcast, you get a shout out on the podcast. What other podcasts are offering free shout outs on the podcast if you listen? By the way, that you, don't, you don't have to write in. You don't have to just get free shout out. Free. It's free. Nothing. Don't have to do Nothing. 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 Two Fs. Nothing. All right. So it's back. Summer's over for everybody. Yo, you said that last podcast. It's been like six weeks in the last podcast. Summer now is officially over. What do you mean? We did a podcast two weeks ago. Yeah. Our summer vacation was over. Oh. But now summer's officially over. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're yeah, post-Labor yeah, yeah. Day. And everybody's fucking driving. It took me two hours to get into work today. The trains were packed i just i don't understand to the gills <laughs> the trains have gills the gills man <laughs> you rarely get to see the gills but when there's so many people like that you look up you see the gills, gills. <laughs> welcome to two friends in the movie the podcast where matt and i talk about transportation and how hard it is transportation <laughs> and the time of year <laughs> that's what we talk about every every two weeks or so every couple weeks just in case you forget <laughs> what's happening out in the world we are here to remind you. So, all right, six though. <laughs> we're, we're moving on now. Like, sorry, get your composure. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's really the podcast where Matt and I talk about a movie. Blah 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 blah. That's Matt. You I'm know six-to. it. Yeah, we talk about movies. Now this week, yeah. If I was to tell you, yeah, that I have a movie for you, yeah, that has Jason Schwartzman, yes, Scarlett Johansson, yeah. Tom Hanks. Wow. Edward Norton. Wow. Brandon, Br- Brian Cranston. Oof. Liv Shiver. What? Matt Dillon. Wait a second. Steve Carell. Wait a second. Jeff Goldblum. Adrian Brody. Jeffrey Wright? Margot Robbie. No. William Defoe. Yeah. Among many others. I will say this is either a Barbie, the Barbie movie or it's a movie by Wes Anderson. Which one is it? It's the West Anderson movie. <laughs> We're doing Asteroid City, a little-known movie that didn't get 
a lot of attention. It didn't get a lot of advertising. And the advertising it did get, it kept all these stars secrets. Bro, listen, I'm a, I'm a big Wes Anderson fan. Uh, I've seen all of his movies. I did not realize. When I saw Tom Hanks, I got a little shocked. Yeah, me too. <laughs> like, I saw Scarlett Johansson, and I was like, wait, is that ScarJo? <laughs> And then you saw Brian Cranston right in the beginning. Right. And he throws to Edward Norton. Right. But Ed Norton and, and Wes Anderson kind of make sense. It does. He's, he's but, been in a few of his movies. But there I was like, oh, cool. This has got Brian Cranston. This has got Edward Norton. This has got Jason Schwartzman. Because Jason Schwartzman is the only guy that I knew was in this movie going into because it. Because he's in every one of, of Wes Anderson movies. Yeah. I think. Like, he's in every And he's in the one. trailer. Like, he's the only really guy they show in the trailer. Right, 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 right. So, but the rest of these people, I was blown away. Shock a doodle do. With the cast. Shock a doodle do. That was my, I called Sixto up and I just said, shock a doodle do. <laughs> do and I hung up the phone <laughs> because that's that's how shocked I was no <laughs> anyways yes very shocking at, at the number of stars but also you know it's so weird because Wes Anderson Wes Anderson only makes Wes Anderson movies right yes like there are people that can be a little bit more chameleon like like if you watch a movie by by uh, uh, what's the the guy that did uh, Oppenheimer? Uh, Nolan. So right, Chris Nolan will make a movie, and he kind of it is Chris Nolan's style, but he kind of changes according to what the subject matter of the movie is. Yes, he has an idea of what he's going through, but he he changes it towards what the movie is. Right, right, right. But Wes Anderson only makes Wes Anderson yeah. movies. Like, you know the second it starts <laughs> that this is a Wes Anderson movie. Right. And it, this and movie has so much of that, but it has some shockers, I got to tell you. And listen, yeah. I ain't mad about it. No, I ain't mad about it. I ain't mad about a Wes Anderson movie be so Wes Anderson-y. Um, you know, the movie is about a, a playwright. So the movie is fucking confusing. Right. Because, <laughs> I didn't mean to cut you off, but. That's fine. I was fucking watching this shit, and it starts, and it does kind of what Oppenheimer does, where it goes from the black and white to the color, when it's doing different. They have like four aspect ratios in this movie. That was very weird. It was very weird. But like when they're in technically real life, talking about the play, it's in black and white and four by three. Right. And then when it goes to pretend play that's a movie, it's in West Anderson bright colors. Super, super pastels, very bright pastels, though. And then in the movie, Scarlett Johansson is an actress reading lines for a different movie. Right. So it's a movie about someone going to a movie, but it's really a play. <laughs> and it's behind the scenes of the play where they're arguing about the play. It was very confusing, but it's very Wes Anderson in that way. In that it's not necessarily confusing. You can you can keep up with it. But it certainly has that aspect of awkward, weird, and you're in somebody's mind. Because that's what the Wes Anderson movies are. Like you're in his mind. Yeah. Um everything and everything is classic Wes Anderson. The the camera moves. Mm-hmm. 
the, the pushes miniatures, in, the pushes out. The miniatures. The, the miniatures. The the uh, rack scenes where he kind of just floats from like, here's happening here. And then we move over a little bit and here's what's happening here. And we move right. over a little bit and here's what's happening here. Very like smooth, all one kind of edit uh, scene. The splits that he does, because he does a lot of splits. He does a lot of splits. That don't make sense physically, but you kind of tell why he's splitting because he wants either to show you the tension or the intimacy of a moment. So there's a split that kind of tells you all of those things. So this movie has so much Wes Anderson-ness in it. <laughs> I think he's going deeper and deeper into himself. So I don't know what the next movie is going to be. It's probably going to be yeah. him looking at a camera. Like it's in his mind. Just a picture <laughs> of like, put a camera over his fucking nostril and you just see his actual brain. But in bright colors. <laughs> but this movie, yes, it's a bit confusing. You can kind of keep up with it. But I think that that's the point of the movie, right? Oh, 100%. That, you have to pay attention to what's happening. Right, and you don't know what is real, what is not. And you can't tell it's not real because it's a place called Asteroid City, which doesn't exist. But that's the story. And, and much like every Wes Anderson movie, it's really a very intimate, small story about something very personal, told with bright colors and very bombastic action or whatever it is. Not bombastic. Bombastic is the wrong word. But very awkward. What are you, Shaggy? Yeah, I'm the fantastic. <laughs> That's the only guy who says boombastic. Boombastic, I'm the fantastic, right? Um, and to gotta give it to West End in a little bit because he has this whole sheet of stars that we just went through. Mm-hmm. But the movie circles around these bunch of kids. Yeah, that you have, you don't really know. Like they're not they're famous kids, like. Kids. I'm sure they've been in something, but they're not, you know, they're not familiar. They, I, I don't know any of the The only kid that I kind of thought that I recognized was the kid that plays Carla Johansson's daughter. But after I went to her IMDb, I realized I have no fucking idea who this kid yeah. is. He may be, he might be, he, she might be somebody's daughter that I... I mean, her last name is what, Edwards? So it could be, a, you know, there's 10 million people named Edwards. Right, but I, she might look like someone, like she might look like one of her parents or something. I don't know. Um, because she does look so fucking familiar to me. She does, but uh, I, I couldn't. I, I looked at her IMDb and I don't recognize. I don't know who she is. Like, I've never seen the other things she but was But to the point that you're making, here's, once again, the magic of Wes Anderson, right? If you're looking, it's like it's like when Bruce Lee says in Enter the Dragon, it's like a finger pointing to the moon. And then he slaps the kids that don't look at the finger or you look all of you lose all the heavenly magic. That wasn't racist. That's exactly how he sounds in the movie. That's what I was thinking the whole time. Like, I don't know if you could do that voice. It's the, how he sounds. It's how he says it. I, I understand. I still don't think you could do that voice. <laughs> Anyways, it's like a finger pointing to the moon. Let me do it in my own accent. But if you look at the finger, you miss all of the heavenly magic. And it really is that. It's that you are you are watching this movie, and the movie is so small, really. Yes. It's really tiny. Like, the, the subject matter, what's happening is so small. But everything that's surrounding this smallness, it's so crazy. There's an alien. There's a fucking... The alien <laughs> thing was hilarious. <laughs> so the movie, like we said, it starts out... As Brian Cranston as the narrator, uh, telling you that 
we're witnessing a playwright writing a play. Right. But he says, watching someone on a typewriter is boring. So we're going to show you the play that he's writing. Right. So it, it switches from the four by three black and white to this beautiful colored movie where the play that he's writing is happening, which is called Asteroid City. It's a little town in the middle of the desert. A meteorite hit it at some point. So there's a big crater. It's a tourist attraction. So these people come. There's a science fair, I guess, competition sort of competition, thing yeah. happening with these five really intelligent children uh, who all made these crazy... <laughs> these kids made like a fucking ray gun. A ray gun. A, a thing. projector for the moon. Yeah, it was like these ridiculous <laughs> science projects. So they're all like genius kids, and the winner gets a scholarship. Uh, so that what's brought all these people here. But during one of the events uh, in the asteroid, an alien ship comes, and this... And I'm guessing he wanted it to look very cartoonish. Because yeah. it looks very cartoonish. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, so this little alien who doesn't say a word drops down, steals the meteorite, leaves, and then the whole thing gets quarantined and all these things happen after that. The kid's trying to get the messages out. Uh, you learn about everyone's kind of backstory. And while the movie is playing, you get little snippets of what's happening in real life during Quote, unquote, the movie. real life. Right? Yeah, uh, with with the playwright, with the playwright and Adrian Brody, who is the director of the play, has he's having problems because he's living in the theater, and at some point, he meets Margot Robbie, who's supposed to be his wife in the movie, who gets cut from the movie, <laughs> but's in another play next door to the play they're in. <laughs> um, so there's a lot, there's a lot going on, uh, and trying to keep things in order. And, like, Jason Schwartzman, who is the most fucked up character, because yeah. he switches from the play, the movie to real life, real life. to the play yeah. production. To, no, he's, in, he's, like, with the playwright, with the movie production, with the movie that we're watching, which is... Which should be the play, I guess? Yeah, which is the play in movie form. Right, and and... He's jumping around all of it. And, you know, I got to say, once again, I'm, I'm making this point again. The small, the small story that's in here, right, that is very, very much a, a, a very intimate story. Yes. Excuse me. Jason Schwartzman plays a guy with his four kids or three, four kids. Four kids. Three a triplets and then the, the son. And then the son. That is going to the son is one of the scientist kids that invented this incredible projector into the moon, mm -hmm. <laughs> which also is isn't it the reason why the alien comes over because he sees the projection in space? I mean, who knows? Because they never really they say they never that. really tell you that. But it kind of happens right after he. Yeah, does they kind of hint to that, but they right. don't actually say it. And then he's driving them, and then their car breaks down in this in the town where they were just supposed to drop off the kid, mm -hmm. and. Here is the thing that his wife died three weeks three ago. Weeks so the ago. kid's mother died three three weeks prior. And they just found out because they got stuck. Because they were supposed to go see the uh, Tom Hanks, who is the... The grandfather right, of the, his, the, the father of his dead of, wife. Of the dead wife. 
And in all of this, you're getting all of these little hints of, of or little pings of very emotional storytelling. But it's so much ridiculousness surrounding it that it's kind of tough for your emotions to kind of grab to anything. Yeah, like the kids, the three... The, 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 the three daughters. The three daughters. The three pets, yeah. They find out their mother's dead, and they uh, they bury her, and they're doing like a seance to try to like resurrect her. Yeah. And the, the three it's girls. Like a full Sabbath going. <laughs> I love the three girls because in the beginning they go to like a little diner sort of thing, and they sit down, and the waitress comes over, and she's like, "What can I get you, three princesses?" And they're like, "Fuck you, we princesses. Like, I'm a witch. I'm a vampire." Yeah. <laughs> So the little girls are great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's just the movie, and like they leave out like big parts. Yeah, of the movie, and they show so many insignificant things. It, it was weird, weird storytelling. Right. Um, like one instance, uh, Jason Schwartzman and Scarlett Johansson build a relationship throughout the movie. Uh, Jason Schwartzman, like we said, his wife has died three weeks ago. He's alone now with his kids. Um, he doesn't have a good relationship with the mother's father, who's Tom Hanks. Scarlett Johansson, uh, you get the feeling that she's gone through a lot of men because at some point she goes, oh, I have a kid with my second divorced husband who's over there. So you have a feeling like she, she doesn't have a good track record with men. And they build a relationship, and they end up sleeping together, but they don't show any of that. Relax. Relax. <laughs> but also, Scar- Scarlett Johansson is, because this happens in the 50s, right? She's. You think it happens in the 50s. I mean, I think so. But they kind of like tease the 50s, but then they also tease like it's in the future. Sort of. Like in a future where like all technology failed and they come back to. Yeah. Like maybe the meteor that dropped the destroyed all of humanity and they got to restart they it. It's, it's, it's weird. So here because they have some really advanced technology like the ray guns and the stuff that they built yeah but these kids are built these fucking but, children but they don't have cell phones um so scarlett johansson is sort of kind of exactly um uh marilyn monroe yes it's a very very Marilyn monroe kind of like her person the person that she is is super mega famous and in a very west anderson way and everybody's very deadpan about being like i'm a huge fan of you you're very funny you know, like nobody, mm-hmm. and then Tom Hanks shows up, who is the only guy that shows like a lot of character, in that he's like he comes in to talk to to the actress because he's flirting with her, mm-hmm. while Jason Schwartzman is flirting with her, and she's flirting back with Jason Schwartzman. It's very interesting to see the interactions between them, because if you think there's gonna be a triangle, or you think like she's really into Jason Schwartzman and he is a He's a, a war photographer, mm-hmm. so like she's like not interested in some old man that has money. Because I think he's trying to make you believe that all of her failures have come from being shallow about who she's falling mm-hmm. in love with, and he's a guy that she's probably really falling in love with, but he's so shallow because he's never even cried about losing his wife, or not shallow, but may, maybe so jarred or scarred that he's, yeah, like un, he's unable to see his own emotions. He eh? sees death every day as a war photographer that sees hard inside it's it's a really weird the whole thing is weird dynamics right uh and there's a lot of like little stories going on that 
really all don't connect all that much. It really is all stories about falling in love. So like Jason Schwartzman's son and Scarlett Johansson's daughter are falling in love. And I think that much like Moonlight Kingdom, which is my, which is my favorite Wes Anderson movie, is the awkwardness of being a kid f- kind of finding another kid attractive. It's very awkward and mm-hmm. weird. And so they always they have all of these scenes that you can absolutely see yourself like when you were 15 being, or not 15 because that's too old, but maybe being like 12 and being like, Oh, that's exactly how I acted. It's very, it's very weird. Kind of brings all of these memories back or emotions back of being a kid in a certain part of your life. I guess, but like, there's some of that. But like the Liv Shriver character, like he's just a dad with his kid, and the kid doesn't listen, and he's just fighting with his kid. Like the kid wants to push the button, where it says "Don't push the button," and the well, kid wants to dare to do all these things, like jump off the roof or touch the cactus. Like he, Liv Shriver, really doesn't interact with any of the other characters. But also because he's like a dad that's like much like a '50s dad that is like kid. Just do your fucking thing and leave me alone. That's it. Like, but I'm saying that's a bunch of little stories that yeah. don't necessarily connect, connect to yeah. any other story. Yeah. Like, they're both there because their kids are there, but Liv Shriver has nothing to do with Tom Hanks or Jason Schwartzman or Scarlett Johansson. Um, so you have all those people, and then you have the teacher who's with the the, the ten kids, Maya Hawk, on the on the field trip, and she's talking to the cowboys, who sing that story. Really has nothing to do with any, with any of, of the other stories. Any of the stories, because those yeah. kids aren't even involved in the science no. project. They're just there on a field trip. So you have that story going on with the cowboys, who also don't interact with anybody else besides the teacher and the kids. Right. So it's a lot of little things happening all at the same time, um, but none of them really connect, which I, f- I kind of really enjoy, because that's what kind of life is. Is, right. There's a bunch of people living their lives. Right, 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 right. And they all go to this place. But like if I went to an amusement park and there's eight other families, we're not interacting with each other, but we're all there doing something. And you might rub into each other and be like, excuse me, I'm trying to walk by. So Wes Anderson also does that, which is a great thing that is like capture moments in passing. But, you know, and you have to think about it. This is like a really small town and everybody's like in the same place, kind of like, (laughs) you know. And by the way, I mentioned Maya Hawk, but even her father's in this movie. Playing yeah. the playing the mechanic. No, that was Matt Dillon. Played the oh, that's, oh, I thought it was Ethan Hawke. No. Oh, you're right. It's Matt Dillon. It's Matt Dillon. Who we haven't seen since we did our very sexy episode 69 of of Wild Things. Yeah, that Matt Dillon. But I haven't seen Matt Dillon do a lot of shit in years. So it's like very funny to like bump into Matt Dillon. Matt Dillon, because like, where, where are you been? <laughs> what is happening? I've seen his brother more than uh, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and him, too. Like, he's the mechanic, and his story, like... Kind of goes with Jason Schwartzman, but then it's kind of gone. Is Bill Murray in this movie? Bill Murray's not in this movie. How weird that you don't have Bill Murray in one of in in, in yeah because his life aquatic is being like the guy. But I wonder if that's why they have this like featurettes with like Bill Murray doing all these things because he wasn't in the movie. But however, that's out of the, the point. The point is that once again, Wes Anderson. Really great at showing you little snippets of life that don't really connect except for the fact that how life really connects, which is just touch and go in situations. And you don't always learn all the information, right? which is also part of like, like the Steve Carell character. 
The Steve yeah. Carell character, he owns the motel in Asteroid City. So everyone who goes to this attraction, who's not staying just for the day, I guess, stays at his hotel uh, or motel. And he has like these futuristic vending machines outside mm-hmm. the hotel, mm-hmm. which are, some of them are normal, like to give you snacks or coffee or whatever. But then he has one where he's selling land. And one that sells like dr- alcoholic drinks. Alcoholic <laughs> drinks. And he's selling real estate to Asteroid City. <laughs> with the whole thing, it doesn't make much sense. No. Because he tells one person that you buy it and you get like half a tennis court worth of land. But then he tells another character, I forget which one, that you don't really own it. You just have a stock in this land. And if it goes up, you get the money back. Um, but his, like, his interaction, like, if he's not in this movie... It's still the exact same movie. <laughs> it's so weird because it's just like like a necessity to tell jokes. I got to be very honest with you. This is not one of my favorite Wes Anderson movies that I've seen. I think that there's a lot of funny parts in it. And I think that there's a lot of emotional pull. But what you just mentioned is part of why I don't like it so much. It's like it just seems like he had a lot of scenes and he didn't know how to put them together. Almost. And, and, and like the Adrian, think, the Adrian Brody character. Uh-huh. Like you don't really meet him until like halfway through the movie if not longer if not later yeah and you find out like he's living in the theater and his wife soon to be ex-wife comes in and he needs to sign some pro- stuff and it ends up being for the kid he thought there were divorce papers and it's like this big like dramatic scene almost he's like oh I thought you were divorcing today and she was like oh not yet and then the scene kind of ends and they never ever ever mentioned any of that nonsense again and also like i wonder if that is to point out why the wife is quote-unquote dead in the movie in the in the play Mm -hmm. i mean i don't know because this is so weird to catch up to but and you know the Liv shriver character that you since you mentioned him before and his story is really how his kid is trying so hard to connect with his dad and his dad is just like, fuck off, kid. Go do your fucking science thing. Mm-hmm. But the dad definitely isn't into science. Right. And so, like, eventually, he just, because the kid is just like, I dare you, dare me to jump from this building. And everybody's like, no. And then he does it, right? And then eventually, he's, when him and Steve Carell are talking about buying land, mm-hmm. the kid interrupts and he's like, I dare you. He goes, no, stop. And then they're looking at each other very awkwardly. And then he says, why? Why the dare? Which is what you should do at all times, right? Mm-hmm. Like, why? ask. Ask the question. Why the dare? And the kid is like, I don't know. I just want to be seen. And it was incredibly touching. But then he, he erupts once again because he's like, so what do you want me to dare you to do? It's like, climb the cactus. And then they're like, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's a kid who strives on negative attention, who right. doesn't have, you know, the emotional or the personality act attributes to get regular attention um but even that they kind of just touch on and they kind of just leave it yeah and then they have all these atom bomb tests going on every so often in the background yeah which also kind of mean nothing like it kind of gives you maybe this is this type of this time period mm-hmm. where but that doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense because that would have happened in the Early in the late thirties, the late thirties to the early forties, which this movie clearly it's doesn't past, take place. Right. It's past that time. Look, listen. And it, it's besides like an interruption of what's happening at that moment because it's like a big bang. 
Like, there's no... Like, they're not worried about... At first, I thought, like, oh, maybe they're going to be worried about contamination or... Nothing, right. even, nothing happens. That's like having an earthquake in L.A. Like, oh, it's just an earthquake. Move right. on with your day. I, I just... You know, I got to tell you, it, it is... Look, I, I get the, 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 the funnies in the movie are, are okay. The kids are amazing. Every single child in this movie does a great fucking job. And they do it perfectly to Wes Anderson style. Like, that's awkward. Yeah. They do those looks into the cameras. They the, do a very, very good job. And, but other than that, like, this movie really is, more, like, it's more, like, it seems like a, like a vanity project for Wes Anderson, right? Kind of. I think I need to see it again. I, yeah, don't I think, think you're right. I don't think I comprehended everything he was trying to get. One, the bad part of all these stars in the movie is it kind of distracts you because you're not expecting all these people. Yeah. So you see, like, Tom Hanks, you're like, oh, shit, Tom Hanks. And then you'll see next person, like, oh, shit, Adrian Brody. Oh, shit, it's this person. And like, you kind of step out of the movie for a second because you're like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you, I guess you're right. So you kind of lose track of what you're yeah. trying to follow because you're like, Oh shit! He's so and so. You fall out of the movie for a second. Right, 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 right. right. Um, huh? And there's that scene near the end, which I'm still not really sure about. When Edward Norton's on the stage and they're talking about making the scenes better, and William Defoe is there, Adrian Brody's there, and the whole cast is like on the, the studies, audience. right, right. And you see, like, because like Jason Schwartzman's there, and Scarlett Johansson is there, and Liv Shriver is there, and they were like, if you don't go to sleep, you can't wake up. Or you can't wake up if you don't go to sleep. Yeah. And they just keep repeating that. I have no idea what any of that means. I don't know why they say it. I don't know why this scene is even in the movie at this point. It's so weird. And it, it, it was the most shocking scene in that it's so fucking weird. But it's so poignantly weird. Like, it's just, obviously, that's what he wanted. He wanted it to be weird. And you are right that it's just like, what the fuck is happening? Like, it doesn't make sense to me because this is the real life part. Like, if it was happening in the movie, I'd be like, all right, it's part of the play. Like, whatever. But this is a real life, quote unquote, scene. And people wouldn't do that in real life. No. So it does, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. It almost seems like this movie is a dream. Kind of. Like, this is what the Edward Norton playwright character is just dreaming in his head. And this is the kind of things he thinks might happen. Like it's 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 a, it's very it's awkward. an oddball kind of uh, situation. Well, I mean, uh, by the way, about three quarters into the movie, I realized the only reason Matt Lamatina picked us to watch this movie is because Scarlett Johansson has full frontal nudity in this movie. One full. I didn't even know Scarlett Johansson was in this movie, so I was very happy when I saw her in the beginning. And ecstatic when she <laughs> drops the towel. <laughs> it was very, you know, again, it's good filmmaking in that it's not like, I didn't feel like, oh, it's naked Scarlett Johansson. It's just more like, what is happening in this moment? What what is what is this? Like, is she flirting with the guy? Like, I was so more and more cerebral, so much more cerebral about the moment. The Scarlett Johansson being nude. That he, he just passed me by. I was just like, what the fuck? Is, is this the first time there was somebody nude in a Wes Anderson movie, by the way? Yeah, I don't know. But I and think so. The thing that bothers me about this one scene mm. is you don't know 
if that's actually Scarlett Johansson. Because you that's don't the point. see her head. That's exactly the point. I know. So am I looking at Scarlett, dude? Am I looking at some actress, dude? I have no idea who I'm looking at. I don't think that's the important part, Matt. That's the important part today. <laughs> <laughs> see, that's what matters, Matt. What matters? We all take what we what we get from movies. <laughs> that's what I took. I just, look, I, I'm going to tell you what. I was looking before we started at the cost of this movie because it was interesting to me that anyone was allowed to make a movie like this. It's very awkward. It doesn't seem to kind of connect in a way. But if you like Wes Anderson, it has that Wes Anderson feeling. Yes. And at the end of it all, you get out with some lessons about something. There's the dad and the son lesson. They're on all fronts, like every one of the dads. There's the mom and her daughter lesson in all fronts. There's the dad and his daughter's lessons in all fronts. Like a lot of these things, of course, there's the, there's the uh, father-in-law and the son-in-law conversation that like might hit some, you know, like some mm. parts. I don't know. There is a lot of this movie that is really, it has that thing that was Anderson does, like I was saying before, which is, and I keep repeating, it is a lot of emotions hidden between a lot of scenes that are weird. What I got from this movie, what you get from most West Anderson movies, is a movie doesn't have to be this nicely packaged mm-hmm. sequence of events that happens mm-hmm. in every movie. Mm-hmm. That you could, with good storytelling and interesting characters, make this kind of out-of-the-box kind of movie yeah. that still works. Right. But it's not your norm. Like, you couldn't see a thousands of these. No, and you can you only see, see one, one every three years. Right. And you're like, fuck, that was amazing. Right. How did he come up with all this nonsense? Well, so I was getting at that the cost of this movie was $25 million. That's not chump change, but that's... On the lower side for like a big movie, especially with all these stars, half of that must be just salary just for the salary. cast. Just salary, and that's what I was trying to get at, that this movie probably cost about... I mean, if you think about it, there's three sets in this movie. There's the whole the whole set where everything is happening, mm-hmm. which is like a play set. There is uh, that set. There's the set where they do the like the the prices or whatever. Like they say, like, hey, this person won this. Is and there's the set where the playwright, and there's the set that is the theater. Mm-hmm. So there's like five locations, quote unquote. If it, they're looking, they're all studios, obviously. Mm-hmm. So it's one studio, change everything, do it five times, and you get the whole movie. And, you know, you get your camera people and your gaffers and all that stuff. I mean, there's a lot of people in the movie. There's special effects in it, too. But for $25 million, you can make a movie like this every three years, like you're saying. Yeah. And then let's see how much how much uh, it's made. Domestically, it's made $28 million, And internationally, it's made $22. So it's $50 million out of twenty. 25. Yeah, and I don't know if that includes what they got from Power- from Peacock to put it on their streaming. No, I doubt it because I think this is just this That's is just ticket sales. I think this is ticket sales, right? So, you know, um, I, it's it allows this movie to exist. How cheap is made and cheap between quotation marks? Yeah, Hollywood cheap. Hollywood cheap. Like Indiana Jones that we just did a few weeks ago was 300 300 million. million. Right. So to put that in perspective with this one, you kind of see. And and most of the movies that we do now 
in the last in that are modern movies mm -hmm. are all in the hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. So for for twenty five million dollars, you get a budget movie that makes his money back, and you don't have to worry about it. It's just hey, here's the money. Give me my money back, and we move on with our lives. Move on, yeah. Everyone's and happy. Because everybody's happy. He got to make the movie. The studio gets their money. Right. And I don't know what is the most money um, uh, Wes Anderson has ever made, but I'm going to assume it's not a lot. No, because his movies are never big. They're not critically acclaimed movies ever. They're not. You have to. It's a unique style. And the problem it's, with the unique style is you only get that small snippets of the population who likes right. it. It's very a niche, right? Yeah, niche. It's, and, and, and that's what it is. And it's really made for people. I think, and I don't want to sound like I'm snobby about this, but it's really made for people that love movies. Yes. You're, you have to be a movie person to enjoy Wes Anderson. Because like you he, have to appreciate all the styles, all the work that goes into it. Right. Uh, if you're just a casual fan who doesn't think about you know lighting and editing and coloring and story and all that, like you just want to be entertained. I don't know if this is the movie. For I don't you. know if this is the movie for you. And out of all of his movies, this is the least, the least, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The least uh, um, usable for currency. Like you, if I show you, if I show somebody Moonlight Kingdom, they probably be like, "Oh, I get it." Mm -hmm. If I show somebody uh, 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 the Grand Budapest Hotel, they probably be like, "Oh, I get it." But if I show somebody this movie, they'll be like, "What the fuck are you showing me?" Yeah, I was trying to explain to my wife, who I didn't watch it with, what the movie was about. Mm. And I was finding it hard to kind of tell her. Yeah, and then uh, we made a podcast about it. And we made a podcast, <laughs> and I told the audience <laughs> that it was really hard to tell them what it's about. Um, because it's a weird, out-of-the-box movie, and I think that's what kind of it is. It's, it's little scenes of people's lives. Mm -hmm. And also, more importantly, it's an experience that only works as a movie, that only works as a Wes Anderson movie. Yes. It only, yes. There's a lot of things that have to align. The stars all have to align for this to kind of work. Um, you have to know it's Wes Anderson. You have to kind of know his style going into this because he doesn't ease you into it. Like, it's right off the bat. Like Yeah, tough. Nonsense. Yeah, it's off the bat. Tough. And, you know... I think that I, I'm a comic book reader, as you know. And Are you? Shut up. And it's like, watch, it's like reading an Alan Moore comic book. Alan Moore is an incredible writer. That's why everybody's always trying to make his comic books into movies. However, However, everything he does in the comic book, from the breakdown of every panel where he falls on the page, only works as a comic book. Like, there's no way... To make his comic book experience be anything but a comic book. And it's the same thing with Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson has a very singular and particular way of storytelling in movies. Mm -hmm. And he only works as that. Like if I saw this as a, as his breakdown in storyboards, I'd probably be like, what the, f what the fuck are you showing me? Mm -hmm. You know? And I'm quite sure that if if he does make storyboards, I don't know because I don't know what his yeah, process is like. Um, he probably does a four by six square to be like this is like this, and then they have like the sixteen by ninety side of the footage to be like this shots have to be like this because he's making a point 
of who these people are mm-hmm. and how small they are compared to everything else that's happening, but they have so much importance, quote unquote. It's just weird, but it just works. I mean, for me, it it's okay. It's one of my least favorite Wes Anderson movies, honestly, uh, but it's it's fine. I guess is the best way I can put it. Which brings me, Mister Lamatina, oh, to the point in which we give every movie a rating. Yes. What kind of rating do we give these movies? Well, these movies get a rating based on six toes. Zero toes being without remorse. Shittiest movie ever made. Terrible, terrible movie. Sorry, Michael B. Jordan. Six toes being Dune. No. (laughs) Yes. So, Matt. No. I refuse. (laughs) I refuse to take part in this system. I will start a new system. I cannot relate to a system Fine. that puts dude anywhere over zero toes. Well, Dune 2 then. Dune part 2. Six toes. That's like a minus toe. That's like, <laughs> cut this, cut my big toe off. And that's where I am at Dune 2. Anyways, you haven't even seen Dune 2. That's, I, that's where I am. I know it. <laughs> you haven't so, even seen it. It hasn't come out. It's, I've seen enough. I've seen the minute 30 trailer. I've seen enough. <laughs> Anyways, Six Toes being something more like everything, everywhere, all at once. Being the absolute best. Zero Toes being the absolute worst. Yeah. Asteroid City lands on this scale for me at three and a half toes. Right. Uh, I enjoyed the movie. Uh I always, I, I'm a big fan of these kind of outside the box type of movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I enjoy seeing something different. Uh, I enjoy seeing people go for it. Like, we could conform and make this a normal movie where Jason Schwartzman has his romantic love with Scarlett Johansson, but we're not. We're going to do it this way and we're going to keep it that way. Uh, so I, I enjoy that kind of bravery and that kind of uh, tenacity to be like, no, this is fucking it. Um, so I enjoyed that. Uh, the story is a little, like we said, kind of wonky. Yeah, a little confusing, a little kind of everywhere. Uh, you don't really get a lot of closure in this movie. Like a lot of those characters don't have an ending. They yeah. kind of just move on with their day, um, which is good at some point because that's what life is. But when you're watching a movie, I kind of feel like I want to know what happened sort of idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it lands three and a half toes with me. Uh, it's not the greatest thing I've ever seen, uh, but it's better than average. I think uh, for me, two and a half toes. Two and a half toes. It's a little bit below average for me only because maybe, and this is unfortunate that I have more ex- greater expectations. You know what? Let me, re- let me, let me take that back. Oh. I'm going to give it three toes. I'm going to give it three. Why the sudden change of heart? I, because I'm thinking about the movie. And you just started thinking about it? Just right now, at this point 40, where I'm giving 45 it... 45 minutes into the podcast? Uh-huh, uh-huh. I just started that's, thinking about it. That's a good point it. to start. <laughs> and, but and ultimately, the only half a toe that it gained is how, by how visually interesting it is. Nothing more. It is, it is almost like... Um, I don't know if you've ever seen... Um, the producers with yes. the, the movie. Matthew Broderick. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's kind of like that thing where it kind of feels like a play all the way through. And it's beautiful in that way. That is something that is experimental, like you were just mentioning. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, story-wise, and for a Wes Anderson movie, 
it really is like below. Like most of, for me, most Wes Anderson movies are between four and five toes, if not six. This one is like you know it's three. Mm-hmm. It's the lowest one so far. Um, it did make me want to go back and watch some West Anderson movies. Yes. And I also, you know, I think you're right. Maybe if I rewatch this movie and I'm taken out of like the shock of seeing mm-hmm. somebody would be like, Michael Robbie's in this? <laughs> like, Jeff Goldblum is in this for like 10 seconds. 10 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> like the whole thing. And even that, you're like, Wait, was that that Jeff Goldblum? <laughs> William Defoe is so weird in this movie. He's only in it for like 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 five minutes. At five most? minutes yeah. at the most, like put collectively. Yeah. So you know, I, I think he had. It's not that the movie is uninteresting. No, it's not that the movie is an average movie. It's not. I think it's just average for Wes Anderson, and I think that is too Wes Andersony. So you put it on a pedestal. And it fell because of who he is. Yeah, I, I just think he's too Wes Anderson-y. And even for a fan of him, it's like too much of whatever he's indulging too much. It's too much self-indulgence. And I think he loses what he could have been a little bit better if he gave it a little bit more heart. Maybe. You know what I'm thinking about right now? Uh, this movie? This movie. <laughs> In this movie, yeah, you see it a bunch of times. It's a, a ramp. Which looks like it's the start of a highway. Yeah, yeah. They never mention it. They never sh- tell you why. No, he said he. They mentioned at the very beginning when they're saying the setting of the of the of the play. Mm-hmm. He says there is a highway that's being started and being cut off, and I think he says it's because of they think that Astro City is gonna be like the the newest thing since. Yeah, like, I guess that, and they, that's why Steve Carell is selling the land. Right. But none of the characters mention it. They never mention why it's not being built. Why right. it got stopped? There's a big sign that says "ramp closed indefinitely," but you have no idea why. <laughs> like it seems like I'm missing something. It seems like there's a piece of information there mm. that means something. I mean, possibly. Like why else put that there? I like, don't. It has no. Like that ramp being there doesn't change a single thing in the movie. No. Besides that one line where he talks about the ramp. <laughs> <laughs> I just, and it, you know, it, it is why this movie is not higher for me. Is that because there it is too self indulgent? But are we just missing something? I pro- absolutely. Like, I, this is all this should mean something. And we're saying that you take it out, it doesn't mean anything, but maybe it all actually means something. You know, I Life Aquatic. When I first saw it, I completely missed what the fuck it was. Like, I couldn't get it. And I watched it since. I mean, I love that movie. But I have to watch it again to be like, I got to get, I don't understand what's happening mm-hmm. in this movie. Let me watch it again. And maybe this is one of those things. I think things. so. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, 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 Watch it twice. Watch it twice. I don't usually watch movies twice. But you don't. I'm giving it to you. Unless it's Freddy Got Fingered. Then I watch it 100,000 times. <laughs> and I will watch it Again and again, shit movie. And again, and again. Stop it. Um, just to just because I pulled this up and I'm not gonna just do work for free. I have here a a Rotten Tomatoes for Asteroid City. The tomato meter is at seventy five percent, which is higher than we give it. But the audience score is at sixty two, which is kind of where I'm at with it. Probably seventy seventy five is too high. I would say about 70. Yeah, 70 probably is where he's at. Um, 
But I would go see it. I recommend it to people. I yeah. especially recommend it if you're not familiar with Wes Anderson. I think so because it will, it, you will dive in in the deep end, right? I think it'll make you want to check out the rest of his catalog. Be like, right. You don't think it will scare off somebody? I mean, it will scare off somebody. But it might. It'll scare off the people who aren't big movie people. Yeah. Like, if you're not in it for the whole experience, yeah, 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 then yeah. you're not going to join it. And you'll be like, fuck it. But fuck Wes Anderson. He ain't for me. <laughs> fuck Wes Anderson. He owes me 10 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that. Yeah. Um, that's the podcast, everybody. Wow. When you got in talking like oh, that. That's my podcast voice. Um, thank you, everybody, for stopping by. Don't. You know what? What? I think. 90 podcasts, it's time to retire San Diego. San Diego? Oh, thank goodness. I think, in heaven. I think I'm going to put that to bed. I'm it glad. Was, it, was, it was a nice run. <laughs> we did well. <laughs> 90 podcasts, I think, it's, I think it's done well. I think it's done well. I think for 91, we're coming in fresh. Yeah, I'll have to think of something new to say there. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks for, here, I'll change the whole thing here so you don't have to feel pressure. Oh, boy. Thank you for giving us your time and listening to us. San Diego. Fuck. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> it is it is a beautiful day. No. In my neighborhood. Yes. It may be in yours as well. Hopefully. I don't know what we're going to do next. Um, I have no idea, to be honest with you. Me neither. And, you know, it's going to come a point very soon because no movies are being produced. By this time next year... We're going to be fucking going retro. I yeah. guarantee it. Redoing Freddy Got Fingered. Or giving oh, it stop. a whole podcast no. instead of half. No. Like it Is that happening? Deep dives. Stop it. We could do Matt and Sixto deep dives. No. It's not going to be a fucking Freddy Got Fingered. I'll tell deep you right dives. now. No, deep dive on Freddy Got Fingered. I'm not going any near any fingers. Um, but more likely than not, I am hoping. This is my fingers crossed. I am hoping because Hollywood is going to be so stuck in not having anything that we're going to get smaller, intimate, smarter, not big explosion Marvel shit movies. I hope so. I hope they don't be like half-ass it and be like, now we have to get this out because we missed all this revenue. Send yeah. this out. Send that out. Send that out. I hope not. Um, and, you know, more naked Scarlett Johansson. 100%. You will sell a lot more tickets <laughs> if that is in your movie. Anyways, as we were saying, goodbye, everyone. Thank you for thank you for listening to us. Bye. Cue the song. Cue the music. Cue the music. I, I'm changing it. 91. Cue the song. 91. What up? <laughs> Two friends in a movie. Two friends in a movie. Two friends in a movie. Friends in the movie, two friends in the movie, big man is six to, with six to